0: Good morning, and your uh, bulletin says John chapter 8, we're actually going to be in James chapter 3 called an audible. Uh, Yesterday when we weren't sure how the weather was going to be, we we pre-recorded a message and that was what I uh, had, and um, so that's where we'll be, James chapter 3. there will be disorder in every vile practice, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Would you pray with me? Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for everybody getting here safely and want to pray for safe travels home in the snow. And uh, Lord, just pray for this winter storm and uh, that nothing be too severe from this. Lord, want to pray for our church family members who are not with us today. Um, Lord, and just continue to pray for for people in this crazy time that we deal with this virus. And Lord, I want to thank you for the health that we've enjoyed as a church, Lord, and that is by your grace alone, and we thank you for that. Lord, we just want to continue to pray for our community with everything that we've been through this past year. Lord, I am so thankful for the people that we have in this town and in this church. Lord, I pray for our time in your word. Lord, as we talk about the subject of wisdom, and I pray that I can point us to you, that you are the all-knowing and all-wise God, and Lord, we thank you for that, and may We live lives dedicated to walking in your wisdom and knowing and applying your truth to our lives and situations and relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as I mentioned a moment ago, talking about the subject of wisdom in the book of James, and at the beginning of this passage, James begins in verse 13 with asking a rhetorical question when he says, Who is wise in understanding among you? And really, wisdom is a significant theme in the book of James. And so I think it's helpful to begin this morning by defining wisdom. There's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is knowing facts. You can have all sorts of knowledge, But that does not mean that one is wise. Wisdom is knowing how to live. Wisdom is applying truth to your life and how you live. In the context of the Bible, wisdom begins with a fear of the Lord. The book of Proverbs chapter 1 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and and that fools despise wisdom and instruction. There are two ways to go. The way of the wise and the way of the foolish. Fear of the Lord leads to knowledge, leads to wisdom, leads to humility before the Lord. Reverence for the Lord, for his power and might. Fear of the Lord. Fear of the wrath that can come as a result of rejecting the Lord. The knowledge that we don't deserve the Lord and that it is only because God is good that we have any hope. And because He is good that we have the promise of His grace and redemption when we believe in His Son. Realizing that is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. True wisdom comes from God. And as I've said a moment ago, the, fear, the foundation of that knowledge is the fear of the Lord. So back in our passage, James asks, Who is wise and understanding among you? And he continues, By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So James is saying that true wisdom is meant to be reflected in how we live which is a result of having a fear of the Lord, a proper reverence for the Lord, that He is true, that He is almighty, He is all-wise, and that He is good. James says that wisdom results in meekness. Meek is one of those churchy words that we never really use in everyday conversation. No one ever goes to a performance review at work. Quality, good. Attitude, good. Attendance, good. Meekness, that's not a factor. Meekness is a quality that Jesus valued. He talks about it in, in the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is humility, it's gentleness, it's humble service to God and gentleness towards people. Meekness is not really a quality that our society values today, nor was it an especially virtuous quality in Roman first century culture. But it's important in how we approach the Lord. In mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis said, as long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on thing and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. In his commentary on James, Doug Moo says that when discussing meekness, he says, meekness or humility comes from understanding our position as sinful creatures in relationship to the glorious and majestic God. So we validate our faith by living out our faith. We show that we are wise by living a life that reflects wisdom. That might seem like it's stating the obvious, but a lot of people don't do it. A lot of people don't fear the Lord, reject the wisdom of God. A lot of people aren't humble and meek, but it's what God desires from us. We are to submit to his wisdom and truth. We all have differing opinions on a variety of issues. We have different opinions on politics. We have opinions on how people should raise their kids. I learned when we got Beasley, people have opinions on how you should raise your dog that they often give unsolicited. We have opinions on sports, on teams. For those of us who are sports fans, we have opinions on decisions that a coach makes during the game. We have opinions on doctors. I know that's a bit Jerry Seinfeld talked about. Everyone always says that their doctor is the best. We have opinions on restaurants, the best restaurants, the best places to get a deal. In, in all of those things, there's room for argument. My favorite food is pizza. Probably it's for many of you as well. That's true for me. Maybe your favorite food is something else. Maybe it's steak. Maybe it's donuts. Maybe whatever it is. That's simply a matter of opinion and personal taste. But I think that we sometimes get too far into thinking, different opinions are always value, valid when it comes to the subject of faith. Now certainly we need to be loving to all people regardless of what they believe. Certainly we live in a society where we have to function and coexist together with different people who have different views regarding faith. We have to live alongside them But that does not mean that all opinions of faith and of God and of theology are equally valid. Our society, largely, likes to treat God's wisdom and truth as though those are just opinions too. Things where we can agree to disagree, take it or leave it. Take what you like, leave what you don't like. But that isn't reality. It is God who created us. God who created the heavens and the earth. God who rules and reigns. It is God who is sovereign over all of his creation. And it is he to whom we are ultimately accountable, and him alone. It's not the other way around. Our society likes to judge God, likes to say how God should be, likes to say how a good God would be. But again, this just shows the vanity of the human heart. It shows the idolatry of our hearts, that we try to make ourselves God. We try to make ourselves the judge. Too many people ignore the things that God has said. Too many people ignore the things that Jesus said. Such as when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We have, as a society, people have opinions about God that they like. And they decide that's how God is, or that's how God must be. But sometimes people say those things that they don't have a biblical basis. Or ideas about God that the Bible teaches that people don't like. They decide just to disregard those things. People don't like the idea of a God who would judge. So they just decide that that's not how God would be. People ignore the Bible, make arguments based on emotion or based on preferences as opposed to what God has revealed in the scriptures. Is that the fear of the Lord? Is that humility before God? People want the good things with Jesus, but they try to undermine that he alone is the way. So people like a teaching about loving your neighbor but are far less comfortable with his exclusivity claims, that his blood alone cleanses sin, that his death alone paid the price. And if it's not that, maybe we try to justify away biblical teachings, or again, as I mentioned a moment ago, ignore biblical teachings, or try to find ways where God's word isn't true or doesn't apply. There are two ways in the Bible. The way of wisdom and the way of foolishness. When we try to make boxes and explain why God has to fit into this box, we're keeping ourselves from God. We don't get to invent God because the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And in fearing the Lord, part of that is recognizing that God is God. He is almighty He is the king. True wisdom is showing humility. At the foot of the cross, there is no room for arrogance. And seeing what Jesus has done, and seeing his work, and seeing the death that he died for the forgiveness of our sins. To see the tremendous cost of sin, the cost that Jesus paid for us. The death that he endured for us. To see the life that he invites us into to see the awesome holiness of God, and to see where God is bringing us, the place that he has prepared for us, the new heavens and the new earth that he is making for us, and to know that we are, on our own, unworthy. And we can't make ourselves worthy, but that this infinitely glorious home that God has prepared, it is entirely because of the love and goodness of God and the grace of God, its humility and how we interact with other people you might know the bible a little bit better than someone else you might have a little bit more victory in an area of sin in your life than someone else or maybe an area that's not even a struggle for you at all not to get arrogant by that about that but to rejoice in god's goodness and grace not to feel better than someone else, but to know that we too are sinners in need of God's grace. How is your humility before God? Do we worship him in joy and love for what he has done for us? Too often I think that we think that he owes us a good life, that we're really good, And that whatever good things God has, that we deserve them now. Entitlement and humility cannot coexist. The wise way and the foolish way. So we have seen what wisdom brings. Godly wisdom leads to humility, leads to meekness. And in the second part of this section, we begin to get a sense of what godly wisdom is not. Verse 14... But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts. I'll stop right there. Begins with the word but. Showing contrast between what he's just said. If If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. He's talking about a specific type of person. The fool. The person who opposes God. Instead of showing meekness and humility before God. With jealousy and selfish ambition. Part of what James is talking about is covetousness, being out for ourselves, lack of concern for others, selfishness. Now, that's not to say that we shouldn't ever desire good things, but that we shouldn't have that be our end all be all, that we shouldn't be cutthroat and just out for ourselves or just out for our families. James is getting at the self-centeredness that so often plagues the human heart. Humility is knowing that God's ways are true and good and trustworthy, that God is a good and loving God. And that's contrasted by living lives where we're just out for ourselves. Because that type of life is one that does not truly trust God. So often it can be so tempting to feel like we have to just control everything in our lives. And I'll be honest, for me that can be a struggle too sometimes. I think it probably is to one degree or another for everyone. James says, Do not boast and be false to the truth. In that, what he's saying is that a person shouldn't talk as though they have a relationship with God, as though they're walking in the wisdom and knowledge of God when they're really not. Having faith and trusting the Lord and a growing relationship with him is what matters. Verse 15, James says... This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Again, there are two ways to go, towards God or away from God, the way of the wise and the way of the foolish. Something is of God or it isn't. Something honors God or it doesn't. When James says that this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, the wisdom from above clearly is God's wisdom. In the opening of this book, chapter 1, verse 17, James says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Everything good that we have is from the Lord. And that is also true of wisdom. And all wisdom is God's wisdom. All truth is God's truth. God has established all things. And he has established all things in accordance with his own perfect wisdom and knowledge. And so for life, that means that the best way to live life is to live in the light of godly wisdom. That there's no other competition. There's no other opinion that matters. It's God's way, and everything else is ultimately wrong. Now again, none of us perfectly live that out because we're still sinful people. But we will never go away from God's truth and wisdom and will and be right in that. Because there is no agree to disagree with an all-good, all-wise God. For the person who is not walking with God... That wisdom or lack thereof is the opposite. James calls it earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Again, I keep saying it, but two roads, two ways wisdom and foolishness, life and death, light and darkness. Which way are you walking? Which way are you living? Verse 15 is emphasizing the worldliness of earthly wisdom because it is not the wisdom that's from above. It's not the wisdom that's from God. And really, this wisdom is not wisdom at all. There is wisdom in foolishness. Verse 16... James says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. He's continuing to elaborate and to show the results of living a life that is opposed to God. And how that leads to failure. I realize that we know people who aren't walking with the Lord but who by any worldly standard are nice enough and decent enough people. But we also see how much dysfunction and evil and wickedness are in the world. Why is that? It's because the world does not walk in humility towards God. Society, not just here in Sista Park, But throughout the nation and the world, people do not walk in the fear of the Lord. People do not walk as though the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We have all sorts of different things that we look to as a society for wisdom. For some, we act like science is the beginning of wisdom. Science is important. Some act like a master's or a doctoral degree is the beginning of wisdom. Some act like success and accomplishments are gonna be the beginning of wisdom. It's interesting, sometimes I'll watch TV or see somebody interviewed, somebody who's really famous and smart, but sometimes they're being interviewed in an area that is not at all their area of expertise but because they're successful in one thing, we just kind of like to assume that they just have it figured out. Not necessarily. Some, some of us act like age, and old age, is the beginning of wisdom. Not without God, it's not. Some act like tolerance is the beginning of wisdom. None of that leads to wisdom if it is not grounded in the fear of the Lord. Now the good news of the gospel is that God accepts us today. He accepts us as we are. No matter what we're struggling with, no matter how much we've sinned, how badly we've we've messed up, that God loves us. He offers his grace. But faith in him is not a casual thing. The gospel is glorious. It's a life-encompassing, ultimate reality. And so, for all of us, we should ask ourselves, what do we believe in? Where is our trust? Are we trusting in ourselves? I'm not saying, by the way, that we should... Never have any confidence at all. But just that if you make yourself your ultimate hope, you will let yourself down. James previously said in verse 13, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. God desires for his people to humbly live and walk before him. Last section of this passage, James talks a little bit about the qualities of wisdom, verses 17 and 18. But the wisdom from above, again, he's talked in the previous section about what wisdom is not, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Wisdom from above is first pure. That's the first quality that James gives of wisdom. It's pure, it's undefiled, it's untarnished. Quoting again from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And really, James, in general, has a lot of overlap with the Beatitudes, specifically, in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I've said that that's one of my probably top ten favorite Bible verses. When we're in sin, walking in sin, reviling in sin, in that place, God is so hard to see. It's not that he, for his people who have faith in him, he doesn't abandon us or forsake us. But deliberate and willful sin has this way of putting up a wall. The wall is not impenetrable. But while we're in sin, while we're stained and defiled by sin, in those times, God can seem so distant. Again, it's not that God is distant or lacks grace Really what it is, is in our sin, we turn ourselves away from God. Because it's the pure in heart who see God. And we know what sin is. And we know when we're sinning against him. And because of the guilt and shame of that, and the love for whatever the sin is, we choose to look away from God. I think that's part of the reason why the passage in 1 Corinthians that talks about communion, which we did last week before we took communion, where Paul talks about examining yourself before you partake. Considering our hearts. Again, that's not saying that we have to be perfect. God takes us as we are. But the areas in our lives where we know that we're knowingly and willingly rebelling. That's not wisdom. Wisdom out of a meek humility to God, out of a fear of the Lord, the first thing that that wisdom is, is pure. For the rest of the things in this list that James gives... doesn't seem that they're necessarily ranked in order of importance aside from the first one that he listed first. Wisdom is pure. It's peaceful. Loving God is loving peace. Wisdom from above is gentle. With all of these qualities and with any list of virtues that we see in the Bible, the supreme example in all of these is Jesus. We see the gentleness in Jesus, the the peace in Jesus, that he is the prince of peace. The loving nature that he has towards people. When facing injustice, he still being submissive to the will of God. When people were in sin, that he still showed love. Next says, open to reason, or at least that's how the ESV translates it different Bibles might translate that a little bit differently. It seems to be getting at a general submissiveness to the Lord. Full of mercy, not holding things against people, forgiving, being generous to others, being generous and loving sometimes to people who might not even really deserve it. Wisdom is full of mercy and good fruits. Just like how in the book of Galatians, Paul talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Having godly wisdom for godly Christians produces fruit in our lives. The wisdom is impartial and sincere. Now, in chapter 2 of the book of James, he addresses partiality as a sin. And he talks about a situation in the church where for somebody who's really well-off, well-to-do, that they show special favoritism to that person. Putting someone ahead of another person. Putting someone above someone else. And in that James looks at that as a failure to love our neighbor. Wisdom is sincere and genuine. It's not going through the motions, but it's a way of life. The final verse in this section says that a harvest of righteousness is sown in in peace by those who make peace continuing to get at the ramifications of a life lived out in godly wisdom and the positive impact of that. As I close, I have a couple of applications to consider. When I was in seminary taking preaching classes, there was kind of this joke about a preacher whose sermon application every week was to read your Bible and pray more. Of course, we should be doing those things. It's important to do those things. But I think that the point the professor was getting at was that if at the end of every week your conclusion is read the Bible more, you can fall into a certain laziness in preaching where you're never really looking below the surface of the text. But when we talk about wisdom, And the importance of wisdom and growing in wisdom, there is simply no better place to start than the Word of God. And knowing God's Word and studying God's Word, putting God's Word in our hearts. Because we cannot live a life making wise, godly, biblical decisions if we don't know the Bible. I have several good friends who are attorneys and when they're working, for them to know the laws, they have to continually study and reread the laws. I mentioned the book of Proverbs earlier. Proverbs is a great place to start for wisdom. Proverbs has much to say about the subject of wisdom, but also has specific examples of wisdom in all sorts of areas of life. The words that we use, how we raise children, how we interact with our spouses, how we interact with our friends, how we approach work, how we approach money. That's just one example. book of James to me it's somewhat of like the Proverbs of the New Testament, not that it's organized like Proverbs, but every section of James is dealing with issues of wisdom. Important to know God's word so we can apply God's word to our lives and the decisions that we make. A second point, I'd like to make this from the, the third section that we were in. James gives this list of qualities of wisdom. I think a good practice when we see a a list in the New Testament. And there are several. Paul has a bunch of them in his various letters. I mentioned the fruit of the Spirit a moment ago. That's one example. Colossians 3. There's several lists that Paul gives of both virtues and vices. But when we see lists, I think it's good to sort of run a diagnostic test on our lives and how we're doing, to do some soul searching on how we're doing in those areas with these qualities. Is your faith pure? Or are you not really walking with God right now because you're struggling with a specific area of sin? Are you walking in gentleness? Or is it your way or the highway? Kind of abrasive. Do you show mercy? Or do you hold grudges? Are you sincere about your faith? Or are you, as James says in chapter 1 of this book, double-minded, wavering in faith? Just to give a few examples. A life of wisdom And a life of bearing the fruit of wisdom is what God desires from all of us. Two ways. The way of wisdom and the way of foolishness. If that's not where you are today, like I said earlier, examine your heart. The solution is the gospel. If you're struggling in these areas or with a certain area of sin, The answer is Jesus. If you know in your heart of hearts that you don't live up, if you think about the darkness that can be in your own heart, remember that we have a great Savior and to turn to Him and walk with Him and live for Him. But we come to Him in meekness. We come to Him in faith and trust, not because we deserve it, but because he is gracious and he is good to the glory of God. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word, the privilege that we have to read your sacred scriptures, that it is your truth and the ultimate guide for life, of knowing doctrine, of pointing to your gospel story and the truth of your Son who has come into the world. Lord, may we be a people who are dedicated to your word, to knowing it, but not just knowing it, but also living it. In Jesus' name, amen.